We're in Romans, but um, just the music tonight just prepared our hearts, didn't it? Huh? And this morning, just great stuff. I almost jumped up and joined Bryce in a duet. I didn't have the heart for it, and you didn't have the stomach for it, so we didn't do it. Romans chapter 1, a great, great passage. And uh, Paul, of course, is the author. Paul, whose name means little, was a second-generation Pharisee, meaning his father was a Pharisee. And uh, what a life he lived, a man who hated Christians to the point where he would kill them if possible. And while he was planning to kill some more Christians by getting evidence from Damascus, God intervened. Don't you like that? Aren't you glad that God intervened in your life and touched you and changed you? I'm so thankful that song, It Is Well With My Soul, was my mother-in-law's favorite. I'll never forget how much she loved that song and memories were flooding back tonight on both those songs. And it's just so great to hear people sing for the glory of God. And this morning and tonight, it was just wonderful. We're looking at, at Romans chapter 1. We're going to read from Romans 10, one verse. I'll read to you chapter 10 and verse 14. Then we'll study Romans chapter 1. Here we kind of have a tradition to stand and read. We're going to read one verse together. So Romans 10, 14, we'll read that, and then we'll go back to Romans chapter 1. How shall they hear? How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? God bless us. We need you every hour. Lord, tonight would be a waste of time if you do not have control of this service. This will be a futile attempt to preach your word in void of anything if we don't submit to your leadership tonight. That the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts from, his, from your word. Bless, Lord. Hide me behind the cross as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In Romans chapter 1, we have this great verse. Another verse we're well acquainted with. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That word gospel is the same word translated in your Bible. Evangelism or evangelist is what we find in our Bible. I'm so, he says, I'm not ashamed of that. And that's one of the problems today. We're ashamed to speak up for the Lord and tell people Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And it says for it's the power, the dynamite of God unto salvation, the gospel. Sometimes we lose focus in church. We think about, you know, the, the facilities and the great music, and we think about all the acoustics, excuse me, acoustics, and, and the, the Sunday school, and the, is the food right, and all that. And folks, we got to remember, it's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those things are wonderful, but they're all just side issues. And Paul says here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, of the power of God, under salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Often a misunderstood verse. People get the idea that what we're supposed to do is witness to all the Jews before we witness to the Gentiles, and that's not what this is saying. Remember, Paul is referring to Jesus' words in the Gospels when he said, let's go to the house of Israel. He was trying to get them to accept the coming kingdom. And he said, don't go to the Gentiles right now. Go to the house of Israel. And he said, had they accepted him, the kingdom would have begun, and John the Baptist would have been their Elijah. But they rejected him. And then he gave the Great Commission, and that included everyone. I'm so glad that included me. 
And Paul was one who went to reach the Gentiles after he led Sergius Paulus to the Lord. His first Gentile convert from there on in Scripture, we find him referred to as Paul rather than Saul. And here he's writing this awesome text. And my text doesn't begin till verse 18, but he says, I'm not ashamed to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Did you know God placed his righteousness on me? And he placed sin on Jesus. It's called imputation. I'm so glad that I'm righteous because of what Jesus did. I love that. That I'm right with God because of what Jesus did. And all my righteousness, the Bible says, was as filthy rags. Now don't fall off your pew, but the Bible is clear that that word in the Old Testament is also used for a woman's menstrual rags, dirty menstrual rags. You say, that's gross and disgusting. That's what my righteousness is to God. Gross and disgusting. He sees right through it. That's why I needed Jesus Christ to place on me righteousness. So God sees the blood of Christ applied to my life. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. faith. I'm just as if I'd never sinned. Now we pick up in our text, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Here we find the Bible says the wrath of God. We find that same expression two other places, Ephesians and Colossians chapter 5, verse 6, both those books. And there it says God's, God's wrath is against those children of disobedience. And here the text is also people who are ungodly and unrighteous. The Bible said the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against that. Men who hold the truth in righteousness. Now we talked for a few moments about the importance of our Christian witness. We're supposed to fulfill the Great Commission. We read from 1014 where it says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Now that doesn't talk, that's not saying a pastor. Did you know that all of us are called to preach the gospel? Did you know, women, you're called to preach the gospel? You're not called to pastor. But we're all supposed to preach Jesus to the sinners of this world. We're all supposed to be involved in the Great Commission. It's been said if that every Christian won one person, we'd be done with the Great Commission. Some people don't even win one person in their own family. We need to preach the gospel. We need to evangelize People starting with those closest to us. Frangelism is how Elmer Towns coined it. Friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. I'll never forget that little phrase. Reach your friends, relatives, and associates, and neighbors. So here it says God's wrath is revealed against all those people who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What does that mean, Pastor Dan? Well, we're all born with a conscience. Did you know that? Did you know every little kid knows right from wrong? God's placed a conscience in them. When that little three-year-old throws a rock through the window, he's guilty. You can see it on his face. He knows he's done the wrong thing. I remember as a kid, I stole a pack of gum. It was called golden gum. It was in a bag. Oh, it looks so good. I grabbed it and I put it in my pocket. And the lady came up and said, now, Danny, I didn't even know she knew me. She knew my family. Would you like to put that back on the shelf? I sure would. <laughs> But I knew I was wrong. Why? I wasn't saved yet, but I had a conscience. 
And the first time I punched a boy in the nose, oh, I felt guilty right afterwards. Why? God has placed a conscience in every man. Look at chapter 2 and verse 15. Chapter 2 and verse 15. It says here, Romans 2, 15, this first half of the verse, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. Do you know the Gentiles had a conscience? They didn't have the law, but they had a conscience. Look at John chapter 1, and then we'll go to Titus. John chapter 1, let your fingers do the walking. John chapter 1, verse 9. Great verse. It says, that was the true light. Back up in verse 5, and the light shineth into darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came to bear witness of that light. And that's the word phosphor, word phosphorus, the direct sunlight, the true light. And he says in verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. What do you mean? I mean, God's placed a light in you, a conscience in you. God has already spoken to you long before you knew him. Look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. And this is a fascinating verse you want to mark your Bibles. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. And you probably know this verse. But here we find, he says here in chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to what? All men. All men. All we like his sheep have gone astray. We were born, we had a conscience, we knew right from wrong, we knew God existed. For as a Christian, I remember Cub Scouts, then Boy Scouts, and I thought, there's a God out there. He spoke to me. He was, he was bothering my conscience about my sin. But we get to a place, a place of accountability. Jesus went to the temple at 12, and they tell us that Jews believe accountability begins at 12. They have the bar mitzvah. And that's the age of accountability. Now, I know people that were saved at five or six or seven, and you do as well. But the accountability, accountability excuse me, is different from everyone. But we all get to that place where we're accountable. And then we decide. We love our sin, and we just keep going down the road of sin. Wide is that road. And it's easy, and sin is fun. I mean, sin is fun, right? Those that don't admit it is are covering up a little bit. Because sin is fun. It feels good. The flesh is satisfied. I mean, I can't just eat a scoop and a half. My mom always said a scoop and a half of ice cream was the limit. I want to eat the whole gallon, the whole half. In college, we'd cut a gallon half. We'd each eat a half gallon. I thought that was discipline. That was gluttony. But it felt good. And when someone pulls in front of you and you're driving, that horn feels good. And punching your enemy or saying something spiteful feels good, but it's wrong. And then you feel guilty because you know it's wrong. And so God brings us to a point where we recognize our sinfulness. Now we have to make a choice. Do I want to continue in my sin or do I want to repent and be saved? And this is what upsets God, is that people hold the truth. They're convicted. They're, they've been dealt with. The Holy Spirit's pounding uh, to try to enter their life by salvation, regeneration, and they ignore God. And the Bible says they just wax worse and worse, not in this text. But we do know several things are pointed out in these verses. In verse 21, it says their foolish heart is darkened. It, it, it says later their, their mind is reparated, is depraved. 
And so they're judged by God and they just wax worse and worse in sin. And before you know it, they're in deep, deep, deep sin. Why? Because they've rejected God. And some believe in God's deadline, that they've crossed the deadline and they're going to just get so bad. And of course, the text talks about all these terrible things. It talks about homosexuality and all these sins. And we see these predominant in our society today. That's common when you reject God. Your conscience is seared. I mean, your conscience is in trouble and you're far from God. And he's just judged the world and they're having to deal with the results of their sin. Helen Keller said to Ann Sullivan, I already knew him. I just didn't know his name was Jesus. I like that. God revealed himself to her deaf, dumb, and blind. And she knew all about him. So here they suppress, they hold the truth. They, they don't repent and be saved. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Their conscience made it very plain that God existed and there was a right and a wrong, but they ignored their conscience. So we have the voice of a Christian, which most people don't hear. But people are still without excuse because there's also the conscience. And then notice the, the creation, the voice of creation. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power in Godhead, so they are without excuse. That word made is a great word. Our word poemo, our word poem. In, in Ephesians, it's translated workmanship. We are his workmanship. God, the great poet, makes sense of things. Now, I can't write poetry. If I try, to be terrible. But when God touches someone, their life's like a great poem. It makes sense. It rhymes. It all fits together. Christians just have it together, you know? A Christian who's walking with God, you meet him, you say, that guy's got it all together. Something about that guy or that woman, that's, that person just has their ducks in a row. It's Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's why that family is, is holding it together, because God works in them. But here it says that he manifested himself in them. Look, manifested them, for God has showed it. Two things, he showed it to them, he manifested it to them. So you know what they are? They're willingly ignorant if they're not saved. Because God has spoken to their conscience and he speaks by creation. And the Bible says, so they, the eternal power and even the Godhead, the divinity, is revealed in creation. I, I love uh, Psalm 19, verse 1. It says, for the, it says, heaven declares the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night under night uttereth knowledge. Just what's up in the heavens speaks of God and points to God. Listen to this. God is a God of order, and he created this place, and everything makes sense. This is funny stuff. But bananas, would you buy a big thing of bananas? In Panama, we'd cut the whole thing off the tree. The Panamanians go around, they'd sell bananas, and I'd go out and cut them off the tree when the neighbor wasn't looking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, and the top row has a certain amount of bananas, maybe we'll say 24 on a very big bunch. The next row, 23. The next row, 22. 21, 20, you get the point. Every grain of salt is square to one millionth of an inch. 
Sugar, think of this. Sugars, every, every piece of sugar is a different shape made of three things without taste, without odor, and without color. Put them together, you have sugar. Eggs hatch in a multiple of sevens. A bird is born in two weeks. Think of the number seven in scripture. Six days he made the earth, rested on the seventh. Name and how many times? Jericho, how many times? How many churches in Revelation? Seven, 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 seven. It's the number of completion in everything God creates. You have a little bird in two weeks, and the chicken in three weeks. In the inside of that egg is a little air pocket. And that chicken's trying to get out of that egg, and he runs out of air on the 21st day. And he pecks out of that egg shell. Isn't that something? And it just goes on and on. The, 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 the duck, four, four weeks, the eagle and mallard, five, and the parrot and ostrich, six. And animals, same thing. A mouse is born in two weeks, a rat in three weeks, a cat in eight, a dog in nine, a fox in ten, and on it goes, 39 for a horse, and you're 40 weeks. Why? Because there's a designer behind all this design. Because, because of God. Waves hit the beach. Go to the ocean, count the waves. Every 18 seconds, excuse me, 18 waves every minute, whether it's a calm or a storm, consistent, 18 waves every minute. Why? God made it that way. That's how we know how to build ships, the dimensions. Because God is consistent. Uh, even the animals, we could talk about little monkeys, 22 weeks, and all these different, and we could keep going on and on. You, you have one hole in your mouth, you put food in it, it greases 264 joints. Isn't that something? That's God. Ants, the scout ant, and the worker ant, and the butterfly. How does it go into a cocoon with 14 legs and all that hair and come out with six legs and no hair? What happened to all the other stuff? It's called a metamorphosis, a miracle inside. We talked about that last Sunday as we're studying creatures on Sunday nights. Think of the fact that we have elastic skin, a tibia bone in our ankle the size of our thumb. I read where a man who weighed 1,069 pounds, you know, there's bigger people than that now. That little bone holds all that up. I mean, we could just go on all night and I'm going to go on for a while because I enjoy going on about it. A fly has 900 hollow spots. That's why I can stay on a ceiling for hours. It would have been easier to make an elephant. An elephant picks up 600 pounds without any leverage. No one can explain this stuff. Science can't explain it. The Bible talks about 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Count the grains. It all matches perfectly. Bees with three eyes, 36 scales, three parts of the body, three barbs. They're born in threes. On and on about three, three, three. Think of the bumblebee. It flaps his wings 230 times per second. 230 times. That defies all the laws of aviation, and we cannot make anything that can do that and fly. It's amazing. God created that little creature. Music, the way it vibrates 264 times per second. And think of that peacock tail that came out of that little egg. Amazing stuff. When scientists finally arrive on the Mount of Truth, they'll realize theologians have been there for thousands of years. Birds navigate by the stars. Some fly 500 miles across the Gulf of Mexico. 
The bombarder beetle has a chemical which mixes perfectly and explodes at a perfect time to chase the enemy away, yet not hurt that little beetle. Our planet weighs six septillion, 588 sextillion tons and hangs in an empty space spinning a thousand miles per hour around a, per, per hour, around a sun some 580 miles and never varies one second or all our time would be thrown off. There's really no excuse for me to be known as the late Dan Mao. God made it all. God made it all. Comets may be a million miles long with a tail a hundred million miles long and travel 350 miles per second. The Milky Way would take 125,000 years to cross it at the speed of light. Light travels 186,000 miles per second. Did you know if you stood on the closest star to Earth, you could not even see Earth with a telescope? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Yet the Bible said God made this place for us. The earth hath he made for mankind, it says. What an awesome God we have. And notice in verse 21, the Bible says, in verse 21 of our text, that because they became vain in their imaginations, they glorified him not as God, it says, verse 21. And they were thankful, but became, weren't thankful, but that weren't blah, 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 blah. And their imagination, their foolish heart was darkened. And then notice verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. That word wise, there's a little Greek word, sophos, we get a word sophisticated from it. And the word fools is the word moreno, we get our word moron from it. They, they thought they were real wise, real smart cookies. You know, we, uh, we know how it all came together. You know, you turn on the TV, I was telling our folks making fun, you turn on the Discovery Channels and alligators are 100 million years old. And then you turn over on National Geographic, alligators are 10 billion years old. I'm thinking, you can't even get it together. They need all those years for all these accidents to have happened to brought about mankind. You know, a little single cell brought a little thing, a tadpole and a frog. And eventually, as a monkey swinging through a tree, lost my tail and became a PhD. That's what they think. It all happened, but it needs a lot of time. That's the foolishness of everything. Think of this. Hindus have 330 million gods. Eight per family. So the 450 million Hindus worship 75 million cows. They worship cows. Holy cow! Who would worship a cow? I look at them pretty good when they're on the grill. But I ain't worshiping no cow. And when they come back in the next life, they come back as reincarnated rats. Can you imagine? If I'm going to choose something to come back at, it's not going to be a rat. It's all foolishness. Because they're without God. And the Buddhists, their most sacred object, sacred object, is a two-inch discolored tooth formerly known as Buddha's tooth. It's just so stupid. <laughs> Verse 23, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image and made like the corruptible land and to birds and four-footed beasts. I mean, the Romans worship eagles and the native Indians put birds on a totem pole and worship them. And some people in Israel worship the golden calf. 
to think of rather than worshiping God, worshiping the things God that made. It says the worship, verse 25, the creature more than the creator. This is the stupidity of all of it. We worship cows and not the one who made the cows. And that's the foolishness of, of those who are lost. To worship things that God created. I'm thankful God created the cow. Aren't you? I enjoy its milk. And I love that steak. And God made it for us to enjoy. So it says he, they have a darkened heart in verse 21, a dishonored body in verse 24, a depraved mind in verse 28. But here they just have, have just gone nuts. And God, the Bible says he gave them over in verse 24 to an abandoned or reprobate mind. In verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Now turn two more passages with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In another verse you want to recognize in your Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this verse has been on my heart. Verse 11. And here it says... And for this cause did God send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And we can put the definite article in here, the lie. But in chapter 2, it talks about the day of the Lord. And it says in verse 7, the mystery of iniquity already works. The Holy Spirit hinders his work, but he's at work. And the wicked one is going to be revealed in verse 8. And that's the Antichrist. And folks in this age who've heard the gospel... Over and over and over. And you living in the Bible Belt are going to be without excuse. If you heard the gospel over and over and over, there's no second chance for you. I love the Left Behind series, but don't agree with the second chance. Why? Because look at verse 11. It says, God, for this cause, God shall, they're rejected. Look back up. I got to get the context. It says in the middle of the previous verse, uh, they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God sends them strong delusion. She'll send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You know what they're going to do? They're going to take the mark of the beast. It's not a second chance. Who's going to be saved in the tribulation period? Well, 144,000 Jews. And then they're all great preachers. And then a mass Gentile revival. But they're going to believe the lie. Follow the Antichrist. God's calling in now to make sure. You hear him? You're listening. You're not a Christian tonight. Tonight's the night for you. And then we close here in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'm not finished, but as far as looking up verses, I've got some more things to say. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 5. <clears throat> Look at this. For this they are willingly ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. They are willingly ignorant, it says. They've ignored their conscience. They've ignored creation. They haven't listened to a Christian. They're willingly ignorant. They will not accept creation and will not accept the worldwide flood. What do we hear today from scientists? that the Grand Canyon was a result of billions and billions and billions of years of erosion. And it, God, there's no God. 
It's all happened by accident. Just this building, you didn't know this. But it was just a big explosion that made it all happen. You said, that's dumb. Think of the solar system. Think of the sun and the moon. Think of your body. And people believe that all happened by accident, but then they want to say that this building had a blueprint and a designer. You see the foolishness of all of it. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They're willingly ignorant. Now back to Romans 1 and verse 16, we go back. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. You know, I still preach the gospel. As a youth pastor, when I was uh, 22 years old, I guess, and uh, many years ago, and then God called me to the mission field. I went to Panama Canal Zone for, for 10 years, started a church there, preached the gospel, went to Okinawa, preached the gospel. In Panama, the 10 years we were there, we, we had so many great stories of people who were saved. And I have these stories written down in my Bible and the names, and I'll, I was reading some today and thinking about the different things that happened and I just couldn't get away from Lisa. And I'm going to share a story with you about the power of the gospel. In Panama, the occult is pretty common. And there's a lot of people who are just messed up because of the occult. Uh, and we would say maybe demon possession. And I didn't have any holy water. I had my Bible. And I didn't know how to deal with any of that. I was a 27-year-old pastor. And we started a church and we grew to about 100 people. And then we had a girl named Lisa who'd walk from downtown Cologne five miles to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Church, 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 three times a week. Panamanian girl. And uh, Lisa uh, was a big problem in our church. I mean, she caused problems every Sunday. Every, I, I dreaded seeing her. I prayed it would rain hard or that she wouldn't come because this went on for a year. You understand, people quit coming because they were afraid of Lisa. When we had the invitation, she'd walk all the way around the building. Sometimes she'd come forward and scream and cuss and do all this stuff. She'd go and tear our bathrooms up. She'd steal our pew Bibles and try to sell the Bibles. One time I taught on spiritual warfare and she stormed up after me, grabbed me by the throat, tried to hit me with a microphone and a couple of our deacons pulled her off. And I mean, I couldn't stand Lisa. I said, Lord, she's killing our church. Please stop this. We had letters from people saying, we sure hope Lisa stopped coming to church. Can you imagine wishing someone would not come to church because they're such a problem? Invitation, she'd come forward all the time. Cuss and swear and scream. We had our Spanish people up there, Panamanians and GIs married with Panamanians who spoke English, uh, Spanish, and they would deal with her and cuss and swore she spoke perfect English. We had an Easter breakfast one time and I saw her come and I said, lock the doors. <laughs> Great spiritual leadership. Don't let her in. More for me. I drink, ate all the cake and drank all the tea. She comes to the door and starts to scream and the police show up. And they come and knock and the Panamanians knock on the door and I go to the door and they said, what kind of a church is this where you won't let a hungry person come and eat? I'm 6'5". I'm a giant, but I felt knee high to a grasshopper at that moment. So we let her in. And she kept coming, and it got worse. 
Finally, one Sunday she came forward. I thought, oh, here we go again. This time she was kind of subdued. Afterwards, Bill and Maggie said she prayed to receive the Lord. I said, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Ten years later, we left Panama. She was our main nursery worker. It was real. It was the power, the dynamite of God. It was this old book that I've been preaching for 40 some years that saved that girl's soul. And when I left Panama, I hated to say goodbye to Lisa, our wonderful lady who trusted Jesus. We can't stop. This book is life changing. And if you don't know God tonight, just trust him. Jesus Christ made a way. Calvary is that way. I'm so thankful. I think of that Passover and how they smote the side post and the head post and the blood poured down. What a type of Calvary. Israel missed it. One day they're going to get it. But Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, God, because you're always timely. You speak to hearts. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Bless us now as we have a time of prayer. If there's anyone here who's not saved or someone who needs to pray for some reason or another, just touch their heart. Bless this invitation. Thank you for being here today, for blessing us with these wonderful friends, the music, the word of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.